Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. What is up, hikers? It's Andy. How y'all doing out there? I hope you're having a fantastic summer. So many of you are hiking, you're backpacking, you're through hiking. I know a lot of us have had our plans scratched thanks to smoke and fires, but you are listening to the podcast that asks the why questions of hiking, the podcast that asks hikers, how has hiking changed them and how are you changing the world around you? The podcast that gets to know the hiker behind the trekking poles that asks the why questions of hiking. That's right. You're listening to the Hiker Podcast. What is up, everyone? I hope you're having a fantastic summer. I do just want to make sure uh, I address the craziness that is going on, especially in the West with the wildfires. And just want to thank all the first responders, firefighters, everyone who's out there, you know, fighting these blazes. Guys, our our climate's changing. I'm in Southern Oregon right now. um, And it's insane. The amount like we haven't had clean, we haven't had clean air and I don't know how long and uh, it's really affecting a lot of people in a lot of different ways. There's been entire towns in California been wiped off the map uh, because of these fires. And so as you're out there hiking, you're out there enjoying um, public lands, make sure that you be safe. You be fire safe. You leave no trace. Um, you do what you have to do um, to be safe for, for yourself, for your family, for those you're hiking with and for others around you. Cause 82% of fires in 2018 were man made. So, Gotta watch it. With that said, guys, I do want to thank our sponsors, Knock Outdoors, makers of the carbon fiber cork trekking poles. If you want 10% off your trekking poles, go to the link in the description of this episode and put in the promo code Hiker Podcast at checkout. You get 10% off a new pair of trekking poles or a single trekking pole. Also, make sure you listen to the end to find out how you can win free coffee for a year from our other sponsor. That's right. CS Instinct Coffee. They are amazing. Um, listen to the end. Find out how you can win a free year of CS Instinct Coffee. Also, I have to make sure I shout out the Patreons. I'm going to do that on the front end of the episode because I have this little thing called it's called a segue I'm going to do here. I do want to thank our Patreons Deb, Tommy, Jacob, Ren, Danielle, Daniel, Cade, Danielle, Mike, Stephanie, Alistair, Renee, Annette, Ava, Maggie, Elizabeth, Jennifer, Matthew, and our newest Patreon, who is also our guest on this episode, Ranger Ali. I am so excited to have Ranger Ali. She's not only a Patreon, and if you'd like to become a Patreon, just go to the link in the bio. Find out all about it. Link in the bio. This isn't YouTube. I keep doing that. Go to the link in bio. Make sure you smash that subscribe button and hit that notification bell. Totally joking. Though I am working on YouTube videos now. Anyways. Um, Allie is a supporter on, on Patreon now. Patreon is a way you can support this podcast and what I do here on Instagram and what I'll be doing on YouTube here pretty soon. Um, Allie is really cool. Ranger Allie. I first met her. Uh, she worked at REI and found out she was a student at Southern Oregon University in the Outdoor Adventure Leadership Program. She has an amazing story and she is now Ranger Allie. 
and uh, is working as the ranger at the Cascade Siskiyou National Monument. Um, she's a lover of the outdoors. She's a hiker. She's an outdoor adventurer. Uh, she has so many different perspectives just from working at REI and then working in the National National Monuments and growing up in the outdoors. Um, so without any further ado, I bring to you our next guest, Ranger Alley. I've had the opportunity since starting this podcast to meet a lot of cool and amazing people in the outdoor industry, in in in, in the hiking world, and just it's it's been really cool. And this is a listener who I met who actually was working at REI, was listening to the show, and apparently we had a lot of connections through Southern Oregon University. Didn't even realize, and we have from the Cascade Siskiyou National Monument, the ranger who runs the place or runs the tours and does all that cool stuff. A uh, ranger, Ali, you are on the show. Thank you so much for coming on the Hiker Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. So, Ali, uh, before we get into this, you've listened to the show for a while. Uh, just let us know who you are, where you come from, all that stuff that hikers and outdoors people like to know about other people. Um, cool. Yeah. So I'm Allie, uh, currently Ranger Allie, and uh, I come from a lot of different places. I grew up in Southern California in the high desert out in the Antelope Valley, which most people have no idea where it is. Um, then my parents moved me to Simi Valley right after high school, which is a very boring small town in the middle of uh, kind of the border between Los Angeles and Ventura County. And I got so bored that I decided to go to school in Hawaii. And then from there, moved to Monterey. Last year, moved up here to Southern Oregon. And so you, you're here in Southern Oregon and you get involved in working at REI and working starting at Southern Oregon University. What kind of got you into the outdoors and um, coming from a place like Ventura County? I'm originally from Ventura. Um, it's, there's, there's a lot to do, but there's not a lot to do. It's like all the cool stuff to do is south of you when you're in L.A. Um, so what, what kind of brought you to the outdoors? Yeah. So as a kid, my parents were not really big on like the hiking and camping as I know it now of, you know, sleeping in tents. Their ideas were staying in hotels and occasionally motorhomes. Um, but they were really big on taking me to places like the national parks. And every summer for like, I think it was six years in a row, we would go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, which um, growing up, that was kind of my dream job to work there. Um, I fell in love with the sea otters, wanted to save them from extinction. And um, yeah, just getting the chance to move and kind of figure out my dreams. I moved to, Mon to um, Monterey about five years ago, and I got to actually live out one of those dreams and work there for a few years. But getting into the outdoors... That was kind of my starting point, uh, was kind of seeing the, the ocean and falling in love with that. Uh, it didn't take me long, though, to figure out that I don't like uh, chemistry and biology at all. So I went to school in Hawaii for geology. Um, I was studying volcanoes primarily and um, got the chance to do a job as an interpretive park ranger. And that transformed my entire life. Uh, without getting that job, I would not be where I'm at now. I realized that I like talking about science and culture and biology much more than I liked doing and studying any of it for a degree. 
And after that, I decided that I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. So I took the break, worked at the aquarium for a while. And right before the pandemic hit, uh, I was just getting ready to um, transition into the outdoor field, working as a tour guide in San Francisco. And then the world shut down. And I said, okay, I'm going to pivot and applied to SOU and found their program by complete chance. I was Googling outdoor adventure jobs and found their outdoor adventure leadership program. So you get into the, the SOU outdoor adventure leadership program. We've had so many people on the show who have been involved with that or the environmental education program there, which is very similar. Uh, ben Allen's a good friend of mine. He was a double major. He did that and digital cinema with me. Uh, he's now a California state ranger or pretty close to being. So it's, it's, it's an amazing program. What was it about that program at Southern Oregon university that has appealed to you? That's appealed to so many people have come from all over the world to go to that program. Well, for me, one of the things that I've, I mean, I'm 34 years old now and back in school for the third time and don't have any sort of degree. So for me, I really wanted to get something and I wanted to find a job and a field that I was passionate about. My best friend, one of my best friends two years ago, was kind of the catalyst to getting me back out into nature. I spent a few years um, not hiking, not going anywhere, mainly because I just didn't have the energy or the time. And uh, he encouraged me to get back out hiking. And the more we went out hiking, the more I would talk, talk to him about the geology of the areas. And he's like, you should do something like this for a living. Like, you need to be a tour guide for nature, not a scientific marine science institution. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know how to do that. Like I didn't know any programs like the outdoor adventure leadership program existed. And I had spent years taking leadership classes at the aquarium and just kind of taking, you know, learning where I could, how to be a leader with the hopes I would move up to management. And then that didn't happen because I didn't have a degree. So I started researching, you know, outdoor education, environmental science, geology programs, even to finish that degree. And I looked at um, OSU and realized I don't want to be in a big city at all. I grew up in big cities, don't like them. And then, I, like I said, I was searching for outdoor adventure jobs. And SOU had, I guess, paid for an ad to have their outdoor adventure leadership program pop up. And I kind of was shocked that I could get a degree in outdoor adventure leadership. And then I saw the classes that I would get to take. They were all of the classes that I was of things I was too afraid to do, like rock climbing, whitewater rafting, mountaineering, and all the things that I was like, Ooh, I could take all these classes and learn how to do it and then be an outdoor adventure tour guide. All right, well, let's see what happens. So you get to Southern Oregon in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, um, and did you just kind of go ahead first? And, and amongst that too, you, you started working at, at REI and that's how, how I first met you. What did that, what was that journey lo looking like moving from California to Southern Oregon, getting a job at REI, starting at SOU while a pandemic is happening? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a huge pivot. Originally, my plan was to move um, to Southern Oregon in November. I'd actually gotten the chance to visit um, in February of 
2020, um, right before the pandemic hit. And I fell in love with the town. Ashland is absolutely the kind of town, even Medford to a point, is the area that I, I love living in the small towns, the small little cities, small ones, um, where you, it takes you five minutes to drive across it. And uh, instead of moving in November, since everything shut down, I applied and was like, you know what, I'm just going to move up to Southern Oregon, you know, and see what happens. Like I had enough money saved up from the end of my previous job that I could move up here and not necessarily find a job right away. And I was like, I can just explore. And then I got here and learned that a lot of the hiking trails were closed and uh, everything was still closed. (laughs) Um, Moving here was extremely weird. Um, My best friend drove up with me and uh, it was a completely different experience from when we visited a few months prior. But um, within two weeks of moving here, I had started like filtering out like jobs and being like, I want to work here. I'm only going to work here if they're hiring. Otherwise I'm going to wait until school starts and I'll find something then. And then REI just had reopened and they posted their job. And I was actually driving to a camping trip in Northern California when I applied for the job. <laughs> and I have to plug Southern Oregon. Just why I love this place. Having grown up near, near Los Angeles, like you, it's, it's got all those kind of big city amenities. We have theater, we have culture, we have an airport where you can get to any big city. You know, you can get anywhere in five minutes and you can be on the trail in 10 minutes. That's why I love this place so much. Um, it's, it's an amazing place to live and you don't have to deal with traffic, which it's always funny when my spouse is originally from here. It's like, oh, traffic here has gotten so bad. I'm like, oh my gosh, it took you 15 minutes to get to Ashland. <laughs> so bad, I know. <laughs> yeah, that is a, an ongoing joke that uh, I had at uh, working at REI was when people would say, I have to drive all the way from Ashland. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, that's that's hilarious. So, <laughs> REI, and it, I, I, this was where I first met you. What what was that like working in the outdoor industry? And you're going to school for outdoor adventure leadership, and you're an avid outdoors person. Um, what was what was that experience like? I mean, are people have you know their opinions about REI? I I love it. I'm there a lot, but I also love the small, um, you know, the, the small outfitters as well. What was, what was that culture like working there? Yeah. So it was like, I'm also like you, I love the small town outfitters. I go to mountain provisions and Ashland all the time um, because I love supporting them. Um, For me, initially I was hesitant to go back into customer service. I really liked the um, hospitality side of things, working at an attraction more so than having to be focused on like sales and making those numbers happen. And, but I recognized that I had a lot of experience and if I was going to work anywhere, I would want to be somewhere that's in the outdoor field, like that works with the outdoor gear. And I honestly did not know much about gear at all, other than what I had had. And I had inherited most of my gear from friends that were like, here, you're a broke college student. Take all my camping gear, take all my backpacking gear. And, um, so I really wanted to get that chance to learn about the different gear and honestly working there was such a relief um <laughs> i guess from you know the the hustle and bustle of working at a big attraction in california it it was kind of a nice reprieve 
Like it was, it was easy. It was repetitive and people would, they were genuinely curious about why, you know, you work at REI. And for me, I have all of my tattoos that are visible on my arms and people would strike up conversations about, you know, why I have the San Andreas fault tattooed onto my arm. And then I would sit there and talk with people for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes about it. And it was just such a wonderful experience working there. And the people that I worked with are, were absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I felt like a family and it definitely gave me that chance when I knew no one up here. My closest friend lives in uh, Portland. Um, <laughs> and getting that chance to at least have that community for the first year, especially for the first few months I was up here, it was just wonderful. Did you feel also that it, it helped you get more plugged in? I mean, you were SOU as well, but more plugged in with what was going on in the outdoor scene here in Southern Oregon being at REI? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, during the pan being there, I was actually there the entire time, you know, the mask mandate was in place and, you know, a lot of people were, um, just brand new to getting into the outdoors. Um, but it definitely, I felt the community, um, big time right after the Almeida fire, uh, that, that was just kind of a, a shocker of being able to actually get more invested into the community. It, and it definitely gave me that chance to kind of see and make, I made a lot of friends from the aftermath of that, that I still keep in contact with that are in the area. Um, and they're kind of the ones that have helped me branch out of just SOU since I am an older student at SOU. It's hard to make friends. <laughs> well, I, f I feel you. I was 36 going back. It was, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. It uh, is definitely weird. And so like, I've been able to make a lot more friends in the outdoor industry. Some of the customers that were regulars um, that have now moved away. I still keep in contact with them and they've come back to visit and I've taken them on hikes of my favorite places here. Um, not that there are many cause I still haven't ventured out far, but, uh, yeah, it's given me a chance to kind of get more into the outdoor community. Um, I mean, it gave me a chance to yesterday. Um, if you probably saw my Instagram post, I got to do, uh, <laughs> the, uh, um, zip dip and sip with the, uh, rogue rafting company and rogue Valley zip line, plugging them a little bit because they are fantastic. Um, mm. And I was terrified of both things. Um, I'd never done either. And I met um, people that work at both places through REI and through the outdoor community. So it was great to be able to like get to do something new with them. So a big part of the success of this podcast um, is because of this renewed interest in the outdoors that came about because of the pandemic. I started this podcast. I discovered the outdoors a year before I started this podcast as just basically something to do. Couldn't find work. And then there was all this interest and I'm finding out there's all these people who are also getting in the outdoors and they, they want to find and getting into hiking and they're wanting to know about it. And as such, the, the, the podcast has become successful, but I'm hearing from a lot of people, retailers, you know, producers of outdoor gear, outdoor gear companies that there's just such a renewed interest in the outdoors that even as you know, right now we're in a little bit of an uptick again, but even as the pandemic isn't as bad as it was last year at this time, um, it looks like it's kind of here to stay. What was it like working for an outdoor retailer for people who are coming in there and they're like, I have, I have never set foot off the asphalt before and I want to go backpacking on the PCT. What do you do? What was that like you know, getting people, you know, 
geared up to get out there and prepared when they have, you know, they have no clue. Honestly, it was so much fun. Um, I didn't get to do as much of like the outfitting um, as I would have liked to do, but uh, getting them, seeing their excitement and their energy and their willingness to learn was exciting because I know I was there, you know, three years ago, just getting back out into, you know, hiking and camping for the first time and like really camping in a tent Um, and getting the chance to help them kind of guide them through the, you know, the process of, okay, these are the things you need gear wise. You don't necessarily need to buy them all right now. Um, Start off with, you know, a day pack, start off with getting a water, you know, like a water filter and, you know, stick, take it step by step, but but encouraging them to not spend thousands of dollars right away because they didn't need to. Um, And then seeing, I I, I love, I love hearing that because the the thing people like to say is, Oh yeah, I just want you to drop all this money for stuff you don't need. And I'm like, I've never really experienced that. And it's good to hear you say that. Neither have I. I mean, I chose working at REI because of a um, really random and fun experience when I, my, after my first year of school in Hawaii, um, (laughs) I had melted tennis shoes walking on an active lava flow. Um, and yeah, um, it's a very long story. Anyone can find me and ask me about it. Um, but, uh, I'm an only child. And so of course my mother freaked out, you know, that her 22 year old daughter had just, you know, melted shoes to her feet doing what she wanted to do because I was with my class at the time. Um, we walked into an REI down in Southern California and my mom walked up to the guy in the shoes department and said, my daughter needs shoes to walk on lava. And he didn't bat an eye. He just looked at me and said, I think I've got just the thing. And then walked back and he didn't bring us the most expensive pair of shoes. He didn't bring us like one of the top brands. He brought us a pair of shoes that he had had experience hiking up here in Oregon on lava flows, not active ones, but, um, and he brought them out and said, here, try these. And I put them on and I wore those shoes for the next five years in Hawaii. So what, what shoes are those? Cause I, I have trouble walking on lava flows. <laughs> um, I don't actually, they, I forget what brand they were. I'm never really big on like brand names. Um, I've never been big on the brand names. Um, but they were not, I don't actually think they even, ex- the company exists anymore, but they were just a tan pair of, they looked almost like work boots, mm. but they had the Vibram soles and, uh. um, that was what got it is those Vibram soles are what uh, you need about an inch and a half to two inches of that to protect yourself from lava. Honestly, here in, in Southern Oregon, I wear, uh, I have a pair of Keens that I wear. I've had them for too long. Um, and then I just invested in the new ultra boots, which um, have been fine so far walking out in at least the national monument. <laughs> so, Shifting gears a little bit here, you're REI, you're at Southern Oregon University, um, and we've talked a lot on this show about the Cascade Siski National Monument. Um, you're now the ranger there, educating people about the monument. Tell us about the Cascade Siski National Monument. What is, for people who maybe haven't listened to past episodes, what is a national monument? How is it different than a national park? And what is it that you do there? Yeah, so a national monument is um, a piece of land, an area that is designated um, 
by the president. They don't need to have, you know, the whole assembly and administration to um, approve it. The president can just say, I like this area. Let's make it a national monument. It's usually for a historical reason, um, for some sort of cool geologic future. Um, but the Cascade Siskiyou National Monument was created because of the biodiversity. We have five different mountain ranges that all conclude right here in Southern Oregon. And it creates, creates this, um, path for animals to come and go where they can find food that they need. Birds come here to Southern Oregon specifically to migrate. Um, and so it's a little bit different than a national park. There's a vastly different range of uh, rules and regulations. People often find in our monument, they find it weird because we do have private property in the monument, um, which is totally fine and totally allowed. Um, we're run by the Bureau of Land Management. So it's a little bit of a different um, kind of place than you would think of, you know, the national monuments like Oregon Caves or Lava Beds. And it's vastly different than the National Park Service. Um, and the monument was actually created in 2000. Um, and it's been slowly increased um, over the last 21 years. And uh, now we're at 114,000 acres of land that is protected. And people, from most of the most of the time that I hear, people do a really good job of keeping keeping it clean. I mean, I hike on the trails all the time, and I very rarely ever see trash on the trails in the monument. Um, and then, of course, you know, the Pacific Crest Trail has 42 miles that goes through the whole monument. And it's a chance for um, those hikers to kind of get a little bit of a different view than they may have seen in, you know, Northern California. And what I'm doing, I'm actually one of two rangers there this summer. I'm the head ranger. And um, we are creating a couple of guided tours for the rest of the summer to um, educate people about different things. My counterpart, Jackie, she's uh, actually a master's of environmental um, education student graduating in, I believe, December. She's taken on a wildflower and butterfly hike on the weekends. And I do a PCT history walk because a lot of people don't realize that the Pacific Crest Trail did not start in California. It actually started here in Oregon. Um, and it kind of gives people a chance that have always been interested in walking the PCT, getting them a at least on a few miles of it. And we're also revamping the little visitor center. And for those that are in Southern Oregon, come visit us. It's right across the Green Springs Inn. We're a tiny little little house, but we're there. Um, and we're revamping it because it has not been redone since 2000. And it's an absolutely gorgeous area. I went there completely unintentionally on my first hike. When I first got into hiking, I was looking for trails and I'm like, Oh, Hobart bluff. This looks small. I I'm hiking and I'm have my kids with me. And I'm like, what are all these backpackers? Like, and they have these, these, I call them hiking sticks at the time. They have hiking sticks and they're going fast and what is going on? And all these people are just booking it. And as I slowly learned, you know, more about hiking culture, I'm like, Oh wow, this is the Pacific crest trail. And like, Oh, that's that movie Reese Witherspoon was in that was filmed in Ashland. That makes sense. And, oh, we're in a national monument. What's a national monument? Oh, and it, it's really cool, fascinating stuff. And then yeah, as you get out there, like you talked about the butterflies and the wildflowers out towards, you know, you go towards Soda, Soda Mountain up there. It's like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And then the history of the Pacific Crest Trail is just, it's 
absolutely gorgeous and it's one of my favorite places on the face of the earth because it's so much biodiversity so much is beauty what has been your favorite part about being out there as as your job your job is to be in the outdoors and hike how cool is that (laughs) um i I think honestly my favorite part this summer is has been getting to um meet the pacific crest trail hikers those pct hikers that are coming through um I've been a fan of the Pacific Crest Trail before the movie Wild and before the book came out. Um, I grew up down in in the Antelope Valley area until I was 18, which on the way you drive through um, Agua Dulce, which the PCT Mm -hmm. goes right through there. And uh, I used to always hang out at this place called Vasquez Rocks. And would see people with giant backpacks. And I was a very inquisitive young little girl. And I would go up and ask them why they're homeless and why they have big backpacks. Uh, (laughs) And then flashing forward to like, you know, 10 to 14 years old, my mom's friends, um, they also have a um, only child. And they would, we would switch off every year going on family vacations And I went with them to Mammoth one year, Um, actually went multiple years with them because I fell in love with Mammoth, but um, saw the same thing and didn't realize that it was like, they didn't say it was the Pacific Crest Trail. They just said they were hiking and backpacking. They never, you know, because it wasn't big, like it wasn't a big thing to name it then. Um, But I would see these people hiking, you know, and then, you know, literally taking off all but their underwear to go jump into rivers. And, you know, as a young teenager, it's very confusing. <laughs> and so I've been around the Pacific Crest Trail for most of my childhood. And so now that I live somewhere that's like 10 minutes away, <laughs> it's been really cool to um, meet a lot of the hikers. Also following, I've been following a ton of them and getting the opportunities to hear their stories and hear what they've gone through is just inspiring. <sighs> Has there been a specific hiker or, or story that has really stood out to you as, you know, this, this is an extremely dry year. I was out there on Saturday and I talked to so many hikers and they're just like, there is no water. It is so dry. And we, we've had to depend on water caches and strangers to get, you know, to get through, you know, basically, you know, from Northern California through Syed Valley up to here. Um, is there a specific story, though, that's kind of stood out to you? Yeah, there's actually a family that is has been hiking from Campo down on the, the border. Um, they skipped the Sierra only because they got there too early and the snow was still too bad. Um, but they have hiked every other point. Um, and it is a family of three, mom, dad, and Littlefoot. And Littlefoot, I forget how old she is. She's like eight or nine years old. Could be even younger than that. And she has been hiking the entire trail with her mom and dad. And following them, I've have now followed them since the beginning of their hike. And I got to meet them last week. And she is such a, a joy. Like she literally epitomizes what I hope for the future generations and what the outdoors mean. Um, she had in her hand when I saw them walking, she had, you know, a little like scrunchie that she had found on the side of the road. And she was like, I want to make sure that this doesn't get, you know, it's not going to biodegrade into the ground so I'm going to take it with me and make sure it ends up somewhere else and somewhere better and just watching her story and seeing that little like I feel like I'm living out a childhood that I didn't have (laughs) um through her and 
she just sees the beauty in everything that they've seen. Like even the stresses when they've had to deal with the fires and rerouting trails, they just have, they, their whole family, they're so sweet and so kind. And I'm excited to see them get to the finish line and actually like make it. Cause they're, I think at crater Lake already. So. See, now I wish I would, I, I, I saw them on Saturday when I was at Honey <laughs> Lake and I was actually talking to another hiker and they just passed right by and said, hello. And now I'm like, Oh, and then you post it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that is so cool. I thought there's like, you know, if you see this little girl, you're like, Oh, they must be on a day hike, but that's an awful lot of gear for a day hike. Goodness gracious. Like this is the, the, a child like that walking from Campo. That is insane and awesome. Like the memories that are being made there. Yeah. And apparently so cool. it was her idea. <laughs> so on the Pacific Crest Trail, I mean, you and I have talked a little bit this, about this on Instagram. Um, you run into people who maybe think you shouldn't be there. Or they look at you and they're like, oh, you're the ranger here. You're you're doing that. What, what's been your experience with not just as a ranger, but just being a person who doesn't maybe fit into the mold of what an outdoor person should look like, you know, in the REI ads, you know, um, I face that every day people look at me like oh you just you just hike 13 miles like yes i did and i would do it faster than you so there um but <laughs> what, what's been your experience with that yeah so um it's actually kind of a um a unique i have a unique perspective i think because i started off in my early 20s i was i looked exactly like the rei models i was super in shape super fit and then um you know life life happens. And, uh, now I don't fit that same mold. Um, I've gained weight and a couple, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I kind of dwelled on it for a while. Very sad that I was gaining all this weight and I couldn't, I couldn't get it off. Um, and so I finally just accepted the fact that I'm, I have it and it's not going to stop me from doing the things that I like to do. And yeah, I do get a lot of people that will look at me and be like, why are you here? Um, even now I get it with the the job this summer. I've had people ask me on trail, you know, how did you get that job with that like intention on you? Like they are immediately judging me without even knowing me. And it's rough. It is very rough to, to have to deal with it. Um, and sometimes I don't deal with it well. Uh, I have spent a lot of time crying, but, um, I do have a really good friend group that kind of pushes me and they, they know that I can do all these things and they know that I deserve to do it. And I deserve to have the chances to get these like cool jobs and cool positions. So whenever I have a bad moment, I'll often reach out to them and be like, I had this bad day. This person was mean to me. And they're extremely supportive of reminding me of, you know, what I've accomplished in my life and what I've already done. I mean, my best friend and I, we summited Lassen Peak during the middle of the Redding Fire. And I suffer from asthma and I'm also technically allergic to sulfur. So being anywhere near smoke like that, having to walk through the cloud of smoke was just, it was hard. And a lot of people judged me on that trail but when I still made it up to the summit it was kind of that like ha see just because I might be a little curvier than you and I might have to huff and puff and make a lot of really bad noises <laughs> hiking I can still do it and what's been your as someone who's not doesn't fit the mold what's been more oh, maybe a positive experience you you've you've been able to experience because of that that you maybe you wouldn't have 
Yeah. So um, it's actually one of my um, one of my best friends. Uh, she and I, we were kind of opposites. She was outdoorsy. She grew up in Hawaii, but um, she kept telling me that I was the inspiration to why she wanted to get into the outdoors. And um, I've had a few people tell me that, that if I hadn't, you know, if I'm not honest about like all of the bad things that happen and my struggles, they would have never even considered going into the outdoors. And especially this last year, I've seen more and more of my friends who have started hiking and going out and doing camping and just being awesome. And when I talk to them about it, they're like, Oh, this is, this is all you, you, you did this. And I, it, it's honestly the, the most heartwarming thing I can even think of. So what do you hope the future holds for you? You're if continuing at SOU, you're, you're the ranger at the, you know, Cascade Siskiyou National Monument. What's, is there an end goal for you or is there just a continuation? What, what do you want the next one, five, 10 years to look like? Yeah. So my job as the head ranger does end in August. Um, it is only a seasonal position, but I am hoping next summer, um, after graduating with my degree, I'm hoping they might hire me on at least for one more summer, um, until I can look for a big kid job. Um, (laughs) but I'm really hoping to, um, get back into the park service to work as an interpretive park ranger, um, at any of the national parks. Again, I have found that that is where my passion truly lies for now. Um, that's like one to five years out, 10 years out. I would love to start my own business. Um, taking people out into nature that don't think they can actually do it. Um, three years, as I said, three years ago, I was just getting back into hiking and it was all due to my, my best friend getting me into it. I had had a bad knee injury. I had had a shoulder injury and I let both of the injuries kind of take over my life. And he said, ha don't do that. Let's, you can do anything you put your mind to. And, um, with that kind of mentality, I really want to encourage other people to get back out there. So I want to kind of create my own tour business, to help people overcome those fears, like get them back out, encourage them to try the things that scare them um, and do it with people that are also in the same mindset as them. That is awesome. Uh, and there's such a need for that right now. Just people realizing that the outdoors is for everybody and you can do it. And sometimes you just need that extra, extra push or just help just to realize it. And you're like, well, I can, I can summit this. I can hike that. I can, it just, that's, that's awesome. So I ask everybody this, how has the outdoors and hiking changed, Allie? Yeah, so the outdoors, I mean, as I said before in the beginning, I've always enjoyed being outdoors. Um, I was the little kid that always picked up rocks everywhere I went, except national parks, because they get mad at you for that. Um, But more recently, especially in the last few years, the outdoors gave me an escape from the stresses of real life working in the hospitality and customer service industry, just it's, you're always having to be on, you know, and have that, that happy, the lucky personality all the time that when you get away from that, it's nice to just be in an environment where you don't have to think about it. And it's given me that confidence in myself to be okay with that, (laughs) to not be on all the time. And, it also, I mean, it gives me, gives me the confidence to just live my dreams. I was terrified moving up here, but without having the outdoors, 
and having that ability to go out and just go hiking even by myself. I without it I wouldn't be here. So it's given me that chance to take over and change my dreams from where they were 11 years ago. And what would you tell someone who maybe they haven't been real outdoorsies? They're like us, maybe grew up near a large city near Los Angeles, didn't really get out in the outdoors, but they want to. Maybe they're not just ready for it. Maybe physically they're not feel like they're ready for it. What would you tell that person? I would encourage them to look up local hiking groups and um, even looking, talking to friends if they know anyone that likes to go hiking. I've done that numerous times. When I first moved here, I was sitting at Ruby's for breakfast one day, reading a book about the Oregon, Southern Oregon trails. And um, a girl named Cameron just messed, like came over and like poked me on the shoulder and was like, hey, do you like to go hiking? I just moved here. I need a hiking buddy. And we became friends and now go hiking. So <laughs> it's just getting, putting yourself out there to just meet people and, you know, find a, find a book, find a group online. They're there. There's tons of them. If you're in Southern Oregon, you can go to Hike Southern Oregon, which is a group <laughs> I started, which almost has a thousand people, which is crazy weird. That's Those crazy. Facebook groups are, are amazing, though, for finding people who love the outdoors. And so if someone wanted to follow you online and see what you're up to and find out more about the Cascade Siskiyou National Monument, where would they go? Yeah, so I do have an Instagram, which I've now started being much more active on. It's uh, adventure underscore Allie, which is A-L-L-I-E 13. Um... And I'm working on posting stuff um, as I go through work and all of my adventures. And I'll actually be taking over um, the Friends of the Cascade Siskiyou National Monuments uh, Instagram. And um, they are also on the Facebook as well. Um, We actually have all of our tours for the summer posted on the Facebook page. Um, And people are also welcome to add me as a friend on Facebook. Um, I'm Allie Cornett on there. And I, yeah, I love, I love meeting people. So if you ever see me out in person, please say hi. <laughs> and to all you PCT hikers out there, make sure you go find her when you're out coming through Southern Oregon. And uh, yeah, make sure you follow her on Facebook. Allie, thank you so much for coming on the Hiker Podcast. Thank you for having me. Allie, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. If you want to see what she's doing, uh, make sure you go to the link in the description of this episode and also go on Instagram. When I post about this episode, I'll have her tagged in the thumbnail and follow all of Allie's adventures on the Instagram. That's right. The gram, the IG, the Insta. That's what the kids are calling it, right? That's what the cool kids, cool kids are doing. TikTok. I don't get TikTok. I don't, I don't get it. Um, anyways, I did say at the beginning of the show, if you want to uh, win a free year, of CNC Instant Coffee. CNC Instant Coffee is the best instant coffee on the trail. They are a sponsor of this show. What you got to do is you got to go to the link in the description of this episode. Go ahead and click that there. It says CNC Instant Coffee. Buy some coffee. When you do, use the uh, promo code Hiker Podcast and you're automatically entered to win a free year of coffee. That's one bundle of coffee, six patches, packages a month for 12 months. You know you want to. It really is the best. I've been drinking it lately <laughs> as my main coffee in the morning. It's it's stinking stinking awesome. I have I have like packets of Starbucks Via that I got before I first discovered CS Instant Coffee that I haven't touched. <laughs> it's it's poor 
anyways uh i gotta find something to do with those <laughs> you can't just throw them away i don't know anyways but um see a sense of coffee is seriously the best sense of coffee on the trail if you want to win a free year of it just uh buy some and use the promo code hiker podcast at checkout and uh, you'll be entered to win there'll be two winners one announced in two weeks and one announced in uh, six weeks in september so also guys if you want to help the show out i'm, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be a little vulnerable here there are trolls out there there are people who don't like me or don't like the show or whatever and they like to leave bad reviews like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about he's just a beep 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 and i get the inappropriate ones taken down apple's actually been really cool um but if you want to help the show out and help other people discover the show if you go on apple Podcasts and leave a written review with the five stars it's a huge way to help it really does help out the show um and what that does is that tells the algorithm that you like this show and it looks at other shows you like and like oh and then it suggests that show to other people like you might like this because so-and-so who liked this and this also like the hiker podcast and you like this and this so you might like the hiker, hiker podcast so it's a great way to help us out the link for that is in the description of this episode and guys thank you for listening thank you for being awesome to me and if you want to continue to follow my journey in hiking um it's been a crazy summer as i speak right now uh, my dad's getting ready to go to the heart going to for going going to surgery for a quadruple bypass in las vegas and um you know me and him we're going to be actually finishing up the tahoe rim trail um tomorrow when he has the surgery and um you know things things have changed i know for a lot of us things have changed um and that's okay and i just appreciate all the support you guys support and love you've given me and my family on instagram so if you want to follow me on instagram go to instagram slash andy films and hikes or just at andy films and hikes and uh, you can follow what i'm doing there also go to hikerpodcast.com for all the latest that's going on and all the links the all the everything it's all there it's all there um, our sponsors, our amazing sponsors, CSS and Coffee, Kanaka Outdoors. Also, do want to give a shout out to Everyman Jack, who's been sponsoring me personally. Um, they are a great company that uh, that's uh, making grooming products that are clean and made you know sustainable. So really cool. Just want to shout them out. Um, yeah, I want to hear from you guys though. So if you have suggestions for guests, email me Andy at hikerpodcast.com. Also, if you want hiker podcast stickers, I finally got them. Um, this is what I need you to do. Email me, Andy at hikerpodcast.com. Let me know where to send them and I'll get them out to you. Now, if you've emailed me in the last two, three months when I ran out and I haven't sent them to you, email me again and I will get you a free hiker podcast sticker. Um, so yeah guys just thank you i'm looking forward to a lot of new stuff coming up a lot of exciting things i can't talk about but uh it's pretty cool stuff here going on um yeah you guys are awesome and the hiking community is awesome and i'm so grateful just for everyone who's been so cool and accepting of me and my guests and and just been supportive and realizing that you know hiking is for everybody with that said guys like i said before follow me on instagram at andy film and hikes hikerpodcast.com email me andy at hikerpodcast.com if you want a sticker and thank you for listening to this week's episode of the hiker podcast this is being lost and may i never be found I'm